let's finish up with strategic planning and pick up right where we left off. We were working down through the advance. The next step would be to the development. Now we have to schedule the development. So we would schedule the development and then this begins the development process. This is as far as we're going to go for now because there's too many more important things that I want to get in you while in, our, in, our, in the time that we have left and get into this basic training. And we'll, we'll complete this list at some time in the future with future materials. But you would then schedule, we talked about the schedule here. Normally this is when you would then continue to develop the plans after the strategic planning advance and you have then time for the teams downline to develop the plans and for you then them, those to work their way back up through the system like I told you yesterday they come back up and get approval at the various levels and then we could hit the road hit the road running here in January so you but what I what I want to leave you with on the schedule is simply this don't worry about getting it on a specific calendar year timeline just be concerned with everybody learning the process and just take whatever time that takes. We haven't done it up till now. It wouldn't matter if it took you three months or six months to learn the process and go around the tree a couple times to become real proficient at it. But the, it is important that everybody understands the process and that we begin doing it. And it'll just get better and better and better every year. You just continue to refine it and perfect it. Now, obviously, <clears throat> the planning goes down into the ministry as deep as you have teams. Nobody works alone. So everybody is planning with a team. We don't want people planning on their own. It's not teaching anybody anything, and it's not very productive. We've established that. So we work in teams when we plan. So as I said yesterday, the direction goes down through the CEO, down to wherever, however deep your ministry is, goes down to those teams. Then the second thing that's critical is that you must have a point person on every team. There has to be somebody accountable for developing the plan, ultimately accountable for developing the plan with a team. Now, you know, I'll just say, if you don't have a team, you may have to have one or two people doing the plans to some extent. But I, the, the, the um, effort, direction, the challenge is to develop and get teams and people forming teams as fast as you can and going down line with, so that you go as deep as you possibly can. But you need point persons on every team. And let me illustrate what do I mean by that. Well, let's take this again, since we have it uh, well detailed up here. This 10 to 15% is the challenge. That's the issue, okay? That's the issue that's on the table, the 10 to 15%. You cannot put one person in that spot and say, make all this happen. So they obviously have to have a team. That individual has to have a team, but then the component parts of just even this little part of your ministry has to be broken down into teams. So let me just illustrate what I mean. So that if we're going to go ahead and plan something like this, then we're gonna to have to design, we talked about organization yesterday, 
here and here. We, we have to design the ministry so that we can broker out or assign or delegate the direction to the teams and the point person on the team. So here's going to be the point person for assimilation, restoration, or discipleship. And one ministry calls this the doorway. This, they, they have a, a name for it, a systemic name in the ministry for this. It's called the doorway to destiny. Don't do it unless God tells you to do it. I'm just giving you what some ministries call it. And the doorway to destiny. So this whole thing is the path to destiny, the doorway and the ultimate destiny. The person, the person, the prototype person that God told you you're to create with everybody that passes through the door. Okay, so that's what this is. Now, we can't put one person there and say, make it happen, any more than we can put Billy Bob here and say, make that happen. So we have to divide this down into all its component parts, every function, all the sub-functions of this. So quickly, this is the main function, so we're going to have a leader over that, a point person, as I've said several times. But then what would be under that person? Well, in this particular case, doorway to destiny, this is the discover your destiny team. And then that's broken down by the, they discover who they are in Christ. If they just got born again, I didn't even put that up here. The worst statistic is salvations. How many times have you said, where are those people? that get saved here. Where are they? I never see them again. I never see those people. Where are they? And then I find out they don't, there is no new believers class or there's no new converts class. And what's the plan to get those people from here and so we can tell them what happened and we can make sure that, that we keep them strong and focused and help them to make that transition. And that, that statistic is worse than some of these. So this is your discover. So we discover who they are in Christ, or if they're saved, they discover what we want to put in them. What is it we're designed? Why, why do we exist for you? Well, we need to be able to communicate that right out the gate. And they discover what our culture is. They discover how we function here, the mechanisms we operate in, the things we stand, all those DNA points that we discussed yesterday. That's what they begin to discover here. Then they de we develop them, another, another team. So the discovery team has a leader, and then under that leader are the people that are going to lead the various subcomponents of discovery. Con new converts, the, the people that are already saved, and all the different facets of it. Then develop. Then we have to develop them for their destiny. So this is where we teach them. We get show and tell, and then we get them into training. And so there's a team here with five people under this leader and teams of people under them. I'm just trying to help you understand point persons and teams and nobody working alone so that the planning process really is fruitful. Otherwise, it's just uh, burdensome for one or two or three people. And then what's this? This is deploy, deploy them to their destiny. Discover, develop, and deploy them to their destiny. Again, you break that down. All of the 
aspects of the deployment, making sure people are trained, making sure they get, they get uh, training in a, in a particular department, making sure that they get a, a schedule and that they get assigned and they get oriented and that they get introduced. And then we track them. And when they drop out, like the, the illustration I made yesterday, the person's been serving for years, when they drop out, then we know it. We're tracking everybody. We know exactly where everybody is. Even when somebody behaves inappropriately in the youth department or with children, then we track them so they don't end up somewhere else in the ministry. You're going to end, and you'll end up in court. So we, we've got to track these things. So discover, develop, deploy. So there's three teams, for example, that would be under the main... So this is the A team on this assignment, and then this is the B team here on this assignment. So we can, if we don't have that organized that way, we're not going to be able to make much progress. Okay, now I want to I talk to you about how are we going to develop plans. How are we going to have plans manifest? So we can, now we're gonna, we've got the ministry designed, we've got the direction gone, going down as deep as it can, as deep as our teams go. But then, how do we come up with the plans? Well, it starts with innovation. We spent quite a bit of time talking about that earlier. But spirit storming. Now we work the process of spirit storming. And let me illustrate to you how, how that works. Here we have... If you'll just draw, you don't have this in your book, but draw five rings. I'm just going to use this as an example. And I, I'm, I'm going quickly here in the advanced trainings and in other materials, we dig deeper on this whole issue. But I, I want you to have a sense of how this works. It's part of the process, and we're hitting the, we're hitting the top notes here today. But here on the outer ring, th this is taken from the model from Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's book, uh, Purpose Driven Church. Probably met, most of you have read it. Uh, and I've modified the terminology a little bit just for my sake and for the, direct, for the instruction that God's given me. But here is the community, the community at large. Second is crowd. Community, crowd, then the congregation, then member, then leader, and then core, core leader, the key leaders, okay? To, continuing to send people send people up in the organization so they, they become a leader, but then they become a core leader because we keep adding value to them. And you're going to need more leaders, but you're also going to need more core leaders, mini CEOs or satellite CEOs all through. So his, his point was there, you know, the, our, our ch challenge or our charge is we move people from the perimeter into the center here. And then, of course, we're keeping them from going out the back door. That's the other part of his instruction in his book. But I want to use this to illustrate something to you. So the community is the outreach where we, where we get them to the door. And then the crowd is when they come hit the door for the first time. And then the congregation is when, or second time, first, second time. Then the congregation is when they begin to, they made a commitment. And they begin to come on a fairly regular basis. And there's, there's a, they're part of the fold now. They're part of the church. They're part of the congregation. So 
Uh, I'm going quickly here, don't get too hung up with the terminology, but now they're part of the congregation. Then the next objective is to get them through the leadership pipeline and get them to be a leader, to get them to be involved. And you're a leader, you just get on a team. You're, you're a, here, the, where, where were we? Here. So they get them plugged in, here, this team needs somebody. Next person, get plugged in on this team here, and we build these teams. And obviously, you don't go five deep here and have nothing here. So you go a couple here and then build across here and then go deeper. So you, you cover the waterfront. So we're moving people from the perimeter into the center. And since the 10 to 15 percent is, is such a high priority there, and it's, if, if that isn't one of your high, highest priorities out the gate here, then I don't know what would be. But that's moving people, that's keeping people, assimilating people in, moving them from the crowd to the congregation. So it's moving them from the second ring to the third ring, okay? That's the one we're going to just role play with here this morning, okay? And now you could say, well, why don't you do, I don't have time to do them all the rings, but why don't you do them from community to crowd because that would be the right sequence. Well, in my estimation, if, you're, if your numbers are anywhere like this, that would not be your highest priority. Why are we going to reach more to abuse more? Why would we reach more to send them back out there? That would be wasteful. So let's work on what I believe for almost all of you, except the ones who have been doing this for quite some time, let's work on this, getting them from the crowd to the congregation. Okay, so that is the issue. See, the directive is fix that and change 15 to 30. Now, you can decree that if God told it to you, but if not, the team will come up with a goal. What's a reasonable, achievable goal? To base, but you don't know what that is until you get this number. It all starts with the facts. Remember? So you have to know what this fact is, then you can set a goal. You, at some point, you, you could set a goal. If God tells you specifically what it is, you tell him. This is what specifically we're going to do. But unless he's specific with you about it, let them come up with the goal, you still approve it. And you reason together till you get it to where it needs to be. Okay, so now, where was I? We're, so we're going to move from the crowd to the congregation. How do you do that with, with real people? They're, they're, so the team's sitting around the table here, and somebody way down line, somebody down, th these guys, not, not up here. It, the, the, the direction goes down as deep as it can in the ministry, how deep as uh, that your teams are. And so it goes down, and we put the issue on the table. So the issue is we're going to turn this. We have to establish a goal, but we're going to turn this into an opportunity. We're, but we, we're going to discuss, we're going to apply common sense to it. The fact is it's a problem. You find out how big a problem then we're going to apply common sense to it. So now we're prioritizing it. And we're, then we're going to turn it into a plan or an opportunity. That's how we're going to reinvent the ministry in this area, in this particular area. And you're going to have dozens and dozens of them to reinvent if we haven't been inventing much lately. So the first thing the leader would do, what did we talk about so much yesterday? That's so critical. It begins with Q. Yeah, the leader's going to ask, a, he's going to put a question on the table. What I'm teaching right now is what has to be taught here. We have to, 
even to the point where you assign facilitators, maybe your most experienced people, and then you practice here. You, and, and you give them the forms, which I'm going to share with you quickly. But you practice here, and you t let them experiment with it and see how much fun it is, how freeing it is, how exciting it is to work in a small group with people relationally and build something. They're going to love it. They're going to love it. So that what I'm doing here now is exactly what you're going to be doing here, explaining to them how this thing has to work and training them to do it. So we're hitting the top notes here. But the first thing you'd have to do is ask a question. Now everybody's going to be uptight. A lot of people, are, if we the first time we've ever done it, people are going to be reluctant to offer an idea. What if they laugh? You know, what if it isn't the idea the leader wants and all that stuff? So we've got to get beyond that. So the first question has to be an icebreaker. This is, this is going to sound so elementary to you that you're going to say, you know, this is common sense. Yeah, it's so common sense, we've never done it before. Uh, this is exactly how the companies that I told you I work for, those major corporations, the billion-dollar corporations, the same way you function. It's the exact same way. It's that simple. You just have to have good competence doing it, working it. So the, the icebreaker question, in the case of moving people from the crowd to the congregation, that's the, that, we work on that ring. The, fir the ice first icebreaker question could be, I, may, I just made these up. But you, you, the, you, know, you teach people, that, and you get better and better at asking the right question at the right time. But let's do something that doesn't require anything but experience. So like, why did you stay? Okay, so guys, think about it. Why? We're working on getting people to stay. But why did you stay? What, what was the catalyst for you staying? What, was, what, what prompted you to stay? What was it? You loved the music? You loved the word? You never heard the word like that? You just loved the people? You felt the love in the place? That was true for, for us. Just felt the love. It seemed very foreign to us. In fact, we said, we're not going back. <laughs> but then we had to admit, never felt love like that before. So next week we were back. So what is that for the team, right? It's just an icebreaker, getting their head around the subject matter. So why did you stay? And that second question could be, and we're ratcheting down a little bit here, what, what caused you to almost not stay? What, or what were you most fearful of, concerned about, upset about. Okay, you just got to get creative with the questions. And this pulls it, see, you got to ask a question to pull it out of the team. And we're now, okay, next one. Why don't people stay? Okay, so we've warmed up and we got our he the heads around it. Then what are the reasons why people don't stay? So here they become, we start getting them up here on the board on the flip charts, whatever, and write them down and so people can be staring at them because it stimulates additional thinking. Don't have somebody writing notes where you can't remember the one that was mentioned th three times ago. You get them up here on a board. They're all out here on display. But these are the reasons why people, we think as a team, why the cause of the problem. Remember cause and effect. Common sense, applied to cause and effect. So what is the problem? Why are they not staying? 
What are all the things we can think of? Let's get them all out here on the table. And you gotta let this thing run for a while. There's two types of people. There's the one type of person that can't stand ideation more than about four ideas, and then we, come on, let's get to work here. And let's, let's get this, or, you know, that, not, no, I can see right there, that's gonna work. Let's not, stop the nonsense and get to work on that. And then you got the other people that just like to blue sky forever. They never solve anything, you know? That's just, oh, this is great. So, isn't this fun, you know? Well, we got it. So the facilitator has to have some measure of sensibility applied to how long. We got to give it plenty of time because when you get to the point where it, things get dead in the water, that's the point where the idea is just around the corner. It's right around here. We're almost there, and you got to push them. You got to push them. I told you yesterday, one percent inspiration and ninety-nine percent perspiration. So why don't people stay? Here's the reasons. Then you say, well, how, where do we go from there? Then you turn to the team and you say, okay, now come up here, grab a piece of paper and, and look at all this stuff up here and tell me what you think are the top three reasons why people don't stay. And you get a consensus from the team. You don't sit there and debate it and argue. I mean, you could be there for hours and hours. Just have them come up and Say, I think this is number one, this is number two, and this one's three. And then somebody else says, yeah, that, uh, they, they've got this is one, this two, this three. Do the math, and you come up with the top four or five. Okay, there'll be quite a bit of commonality. Are you with me? Okay, so then you, what you've identified now are what? Priorities, the things the team thinks the needs, needs to change the most. The biggest inhibitor to our growth, let's work on those first. The biggest debilitator to our accomplishing, meeting the needs of God's people here, keeping them. They came for help. We got to keep them. They are needy. So what are the top three reasons? You can you know, pick two. You can pick four. You, you'll, you'll get comfortable. You'll, you'll know what to do at the right time with, with experience. Then the, we take the top one. So this one ended up being the top locator. Okay, then that's what we work on first. Number one. That one. Okay, then what's the next question? What, are, what, are we, what could we do to get them to stay? That's the objection. That's the debilitation or the vulnerability. That's the main reason why they don't stay here. All right, now let's come up. What ideas can we come up with to get them to stay? And we pour those out on the table from the team. And you're just sitting there. You're not offering any ideas. As a leader, you're making sure everybody else is offering ideas and you're keeping the flow going here. Nobody's judging, nobody's laughing. And you know, every once in a while you can throw one in there. But you've got to pull it out of them. That's what a facilitator does. Make it easy, facile for people to contribute. So now, now, here, now we've got an exhaustive list on just one thing. All these, look at all these things that need fixing. You getting an idea why we need more people? more teams. Look at all the things that need fixing. We can't fix them all at one time, but we can begin with the number one thing that needs fixing. We'll start with that. But see, then all during the year, the teams are working on the rest of this stuff. They never run out of stuff to do. They're, they're continue, we, we're going to hit on a number. We may hit the top five here in, this, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a session. You may only hit on one. And then next time you meet, we'll work on number two. 
and we're going to be developing the plans to turn this thing around. So now you vote again. Another consensus kind of thing. Now you can also, as the leader, you, you can interject. If you feel like, hey, this, this one or that one is, should be in there higher up on the list, then that's your call as a leader. You say, I think that we need to move this up. I personally feel this needs to be, have attention sooner than later. Okay, now, then we do the same thing. Okay, come up here now, look at all these ideas to fix number one, and I want to know short-term and long-term. You have to describe, you have to prescribe what that is. Is short-term, you know, some of these things you can do next Sunday with approval very soon in the next two or three months. And some of these things is going to take training. It's going to take expense. It's going to take time. So that's longer term. Might be You have to deci decide and determine what you have to tell them. You have to provide direction and tell them what short-term, long-term is. Then they come up and you give you the top three short-term, top three long-term, do the same thing, do the math, and come up with the thing that you think is going to short-term be the most impactful. Okay, then the next, and the next. And then we're going to set a goal. Now, hear me. Don't get hung up with the terminology. Because if you're in corporate, the corporations vary. Schools vary. Colleges vary in what they call the, the planning terminologies of goals, objectives, strategies, and so forth. I'm going to tell you what I have used the most. You, it doesn't matter what you call it, but make sure everybody's calling the same stuff. Everybody knows what it is, okay? But a goal has to be measurable. So now we're going to have to turn these things into goals. So we have to establish a goal. And a goal has to be measurable by what? Two things, essentially quantity and time. Let's get the youth group cranked up ASAP. That's not a goal. That's not, it's not measurable. What does cranked up mean and when is ASAP? They crank up the music and ASAP is next fall and you're thinking it's next week. No wonder we got such a mess. There, you have to be clear. When, we, when you commission a goal and a plan, you have to be there has to be clarity in terms of measurement and, of time and, and quantity, okay? So in other words, increase by 30% to 30%, by 15%, increase to 30% by October 19th at 5.39 p.m. Now it's measurable, because at 5.40 we're late. Okay, now so a goal, then some call them objectives, I call them strategies. It doesn't matter. The main thing is that they're the actions that will cause the goal to happen. So if we're going to get the youth group increased by, uh, well, if we're going to increase this from 15 to 30 this year, what, are we, what's gonna, what actions are we going to take to make that happen? Those are the strategies. What are the actions? What are we going to do? And there are going to be a lot of strategies, more strategies for actions four goals. Okay? And you set the goal. Then you establish the strategies. And that is the basis of the plan, which then gets submitted upline. 
So this team, if they're planning it, then they submit that up to this person who then approves it, coaches on it. If it's not approvable, coaches on it till it is approvable, redirects it in other words, redirects it. And then when it's approved by this person, it goes to this person for approval. That's the chain of command. That's how it works. So it takes time, obviously, to do the backing and the filling in the development process. And let's look at what forms we would use to do this. First, every department should have a mission statement. Every department should have a mission statement. You have a mission statement for the entire ministry. The every department should reflect, not copy, reflect the mission statement for their department. You need a mission. When somebody joins that department, they know what we're in business to do here. So if they're, like I said yesterday, if in your mission, your master, your umbrella mission statement, it says we're, we're a word church, then the word ought to be reflected in the areas like the children's ministry and the youth and part of their mission as well. As broad a impact of the word in this ministry if that's our umbrella uh, mission. Okay, so we need a mission statement, not a, not a thesis, a paragraph or two. Okay, secondly, we need to evaluate how we did last year. Now, if you've never done this before, you can evaluate, you know, where we're at, but, you know, eventually, uh, once you've done it, you're going to have a real clear evaluation because you had goals last year. You're going to want to know, did you meet them or not? So here's the name of the, I'm giving you the simplest version here. You're going to sophisticate them over time. Some of these down here have far more sophisticated plans. And when you come to the interim trainings, they will show you what those are. They'll show you what they've developed over time, how they've refined them and perfected them. But here's the name of the department, not the department head, the name of the department. We know who the head of it is. We need to know what department this is talking about. And then, here it is again. On a scale of 1 to 10, how did we do last year? Now, who fills this out? The team. And the leader speaks last. You play your cards last. You give the team this assignment. How do you think we did? Or how do you think we're doing? up to this point. And it really doesn't matter what the number is here. Let's just say they said a seven. Then what are the things that got us to the seven? We did some things well, otherwise we'd be a three or a four or a one. So these are the positive things that we achieved to get us to a seven. But we're not an eight or a nine. So these are the things that need improvement or that we didn't do well. These are strengths, these are weaknesses. And so we list those. The, and you just ask the team. Well, we get a general consensus. Maybe some will say we're a five, some say we're a seven, or high, it doesn't matter. You just, it's gonna be, some, it's not gonna be on either end of the spectrum. And so the, so the issue is how did we get that far? Why did, why did we qualify for that number? Why didn't we not qualify for a higher number? That's all we're dealing with here. And then here is data. The youth, we, in the youth, we had uh, 31 youth saved. We had three major events. We had this many infillings of the Holy Spirit. We had 
Th this many outreaches. We, okay, just data that tells us what we accomplished for the year. That way, if you want to get an annual report or give an annual report, it's all right here. You got, you got, all you got to do is consolidate it. And you got, you got your annual report right there. You don't have to do it. They do it. Okay, then now let's get to the goals and the strategies. Here is next year. Last year, now it's next year. And it'll be a couple pages at least for next year. And what would be on those? Well, again, the departments or the divisions with the departments underneath them. But here we're going to establish, it's going to say goals. And for X, ABC department here, we're going to have this goal and this goal and this goal and this goal, three, four, five major goals. D don't get carried away with the goals. When you achieve them, you can add more. But they need to be realistic and they need to be attainable or attainable. So there's the listing of the goals, and then they're numbered, one, two, three, four. Okay, then the strategies, you just number number one, and you write down the actions that are gonna make, the main actions that are gonna make that goal come alive. So here's, here's the four things that we, the four main things that we're gonna do to achieve that goal. And then we're gonna go to number two, and then, and that's why you can see we're on to the second page real quickly here. And okay, and then when we get to here, this is what you're going to need to achieve the goal. What does that mean? Well, we're going to need resources, money, we're gonna, or space, or equipment. If we're going to have a concert in the park with the youth, and you're going to approve it, they're, 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 they're going to think, well, we're going to take your sound system down to the park. <laughs> you know, no, they're, gonna, and they're, they're not going to be able to have a concert down in the park with a bullhorn. So, you know, you're going to have to approve the equipment. So they're going to tell you what they're going to write here, write in. What are they going to need and what is it going to cost? And then you can consolidate all the needs. You can consolidate all the needs on one page. You can direct somebody to consolidate all the needs and, turn, and give it to you. So here's, here's this department, here's their needs. This department, here's their needs. And here's what it's going to cost. And you total it up. And that will help you determine where you're going to spend your money. The finance, how, and we're going to spend the money on the highest priorities. I know I'm going quickly here, but I want you to just get the waterfront here so you know where we're headed. So those are the forms. That's the, then you can develop a status report, and we'll talk about that in, on, in some other materials and in some of the more advanced trainings. Don't worry about the status report right now. We don't know what the status should be. We won't know what the status should be until we start planning. And again, in the interim trainings, they can show you the status reports that they've developed and how they're holding people accountable. The status report takes a lot of the weight off of this meeting, time-wise. You can get a, a, one ministry calls it the pastor's pulse. So it's, it's a document that has a lot more detail on it that the pastor can read and meditate on, pray about, think over, and he can write little comments in the margin and send it back. There's where you can use email, but not to build a ministry. But we can make sure that we're on track here. We don't need to spend this whole meeting keeping people on track. We're spending in this meeting in here building. And are you seeing how you build? Okay, that's a crash course, but that's, that's how it works. Teams working, then you can see, let me repeat, because this can be overwhelming. Look at one little section of the ministry, 
look at the number of issues that surfaced, the number of sheep that went over the wall, then to take one of them, just this one right here, that's all we're working on right here, one of them, and you break it down and do this, and then, you, and then we got all this to do, but we're going to just work on this first and this second, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to turn it into, you can see why we need depth, why we have to have more people, why we need teams, and why we destroy 22,000 pastors every year. Because all this weight is on them. They may not know all these problems because they don't know all the facts. They're just busy running from one crisis to the next, but they feel this. And they, whatever they do know is enough to choke a horse. And so this is why we need depth. This is why we need core competence. This is why we need to design by teams. This is why we need to fill the holes in the organization chart and get competent people that can lead other people to go to new levels. But you see, this is not rocket science. And anybody can offer ideas. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have, oh, I'm just a genius in this area. I'm, no, I'm of no value over here. No, God gave us all wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge. We, we as leaders, though, as facilitators, we ha I've modeled here, but we have to mine the rich deposits. Mine the rich deposits. People can think. You just, and as I said yesterday, I believe God would say to us the way we're working, let my people go. And when you let the people go, you'll survive. And you'll love life again. And you'll have time to be with God. You'll have time to be with your spouse and your family. And, you, and you'll build a great ministry. But when you plan correctly, when you learn to do this, correctly, skillfully, powerfully, implement correctly, evaluate regularly, your ministry is going to take off.